you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks on a... uh, we're separated by what 100 miles here buck i think it's 100 miles from my house to the studio you're doing the uh the good work inside the studio i'm at the kitchen table right now <laughs> it works though it works out with uh <laughs> the advanced technology of skype we're able to get it done oh yeah i love it man uh here here's what we want to get done on today's show we're going to uh we'll start off talking a little bit about what's going on in mini camps and uh, give people a little peek behind the curtain, what's happening there. Uh, I want to get to the division winners from last year, looking at the the eight division winners and kind of talk about who's most vulnerable now that we've seen all the additions in free agency and in the draft uh, inside these each and every division. I want to then do something. This is something I've always loved to do once the draft is over. It's finally like, okay, let's look to the next year. And I like to look at week one of the college football season, Bucky. We're not going to preview the games or anything, but just – I got 12 games that just kind of just to whet your appetite a little bit of what's to come in the college football season week one. Uh, we'll touch on those. And then I also want to uh, I want to read some old reports. I had some time, so I went back and read some of my old reports. And I want to read some guys that have been really successful. I want to read their report without mentioning their name. It's kind of a little twist on our hits and misses, Bucky. I'm going to read the report, and then you, you tell me which player that sounds like from this last draft class. And maybe that will help figure out what kind of career these guys are going to have. Cool. That works for me. All right, let's, uh, let's get rolling here. Let's start off the rookie minicamp. Uh, we were just talking off air about some, some buzz kind of coming out of Carolina. Uh, for those that don't know, Bucky, just kind of fill them in on what goes on at a rookie minicamp. Well, rookie minicamps is, is, is so different now. Rookie minicamp, you just have all of the rookies that were drafted, your undrafted free agents that are there, and a couple of invitee guys that are coming in to try out over the course of the weekend to see if they can earn a spot on the 90-man roster. And – Basically, if you think about this, this is an opportunity for coaches to conduct a practice, but it's all the young guys. So you get a chance to see them without the distraction of having the veterans around. And from an evaluator, this is the first impression. You want to make sure that the guys that you really signed off on, guys that you said were going to be outstanding players, that something happens over the course of these five sessions that stands out where you can kind of check the box and everyone understood why he was drafted, where he was drafted, and the impact that he could have on your squad. And for those that don't know, so it's a rookie minicamp, like Bucky said, so it's just rookies. There's really kind of three classifications of the rookies that show up at this thing. You've got your draft picks, okay, the guys you've picked. Obviously, they're going to get a chance to go through training camp and hopefully make your football team and have an impact. Then you have your priority free agents, meaning you, you, have, you have paid them a little sum of money. It could be anywhere from 500 bucks to 50000 bucks. Um, and then they're, so those are your priority free agents. And most of those guys, you'd like to get them at least to training camp and get them through so you can have a fair evaluation. And then you have a group of tryout guys because if you want to have a full practice, you want to go 11 on 11, get a look at guys, you need to fill in around them. So you bring in these players for a tryout camp, meaning they're not guaranteed anything other than this rookie minicamp. We, we called it the gong show. Like we, we called it the gong show guys. So uh, in other words, after the draft's over, you're recruiting those, uh, those free agents that you want to have to pay a little bit of money to. You bring those guys in. Oh, nice. Nicely done. That's a nice gong. So the rest of these guys, a lot of times it's even agents calling you saying, hey, man, can you just give my guy a tryout this weekend? Just bring him in. It costs you nothing. It's a free look. They sign a waiver, uh, and you get a look at him. But I can tell you, Bucky, I know you've been there too. There are times in these rookie mini camps, you'll have somebody from the gong show that will end up looking better than somebody you drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Double gong, I think. Nicely done. Yeah, I mean, that that's the interesting thing about mini camps. Um, no matter what we say about people, no matter how much we can project and speculate, at the end of the day when you bring them in, you put them on the field. And there are plenty of occasions where guys that are undrafted or guys that were drafted in the lower ranks outshine some of the top guys. You never necessarily want to see that happen, but it does because it's really an estimation business. You're estimating and guessing what someone's going to be but you really don't know what they're going to actually play like until you get them on the field and see what they look like in your scheme. 
Yeah, and then also try and just give them a little bit of the playbook here. You don't need to dump the whole thing on them. Just want to see these guys run around, really to get a chance to evaluate those undrafted guys uh, in, in that process. And you'll be amazed that some of them just pick it up and they roll right away. Other ones, it's like the, everything's going fast for them and their head's spinning around and there's so much verbiage that they're trying to, to learn. And you see guys really swimming out there. You do. I thought it was interesting coming out of Chiefs camp, Pat Mahomes saying that, he thought that the Chiefs playbook was a little harder. Well, a little different. A little, a little harder than he anticipated. <laughs> Said he was trying to pick it up, but it was a lot harder. And I think well, they, uh, a lot of these Texas Tech, Texas Tech doesn't have a playbook like that? Well, I mean, it, it, it's just different. And I, th- <laughs> no, I, think no, it, I, th- I mean, I just think it's, it's different for all these guys. But for the quarterbacks, just getting the, the name, the, the call in the huddle, and understanding where everything is. And so when we talk about these young quarterbacks making adjustments, particularly with Pat Mahomes, he's lucky right now to be in a situation where he has a veteran quarterback. He doesn't have the pressure on him immediately to play. But it's a huge transition, one that we try not to make light of during the process. But sometimes I think we underrate how hard it is to master the nuances of just getting on the field at that position particularly. I mean, one of the things I always notice in these rookie camps, and I'd like to get your take on it with just some of these high school camps you're at to see if it's the same, but I, I always felt like there were guys, and this is the same at all-star games, where the more people on the field, the better or the worse they got. In other words, you bring these guys out here in one-on-ones, they could look great. Uh, you get them on seven-on-seven, seven, okay, maybe not quite as good. Now you get in a team setting, whoa, they, they don't look anything like that, and you see the exact opposite of that. Uh, it's just guys that are different skill sets and different guys. I guess you could use that gamer term or just more guys that are, are more comfortable in that 11-on setting. Yeah, I believe there are some guys that just kind of have a knack for the dramatic. When it's game time, when the lights are on, they, they know how to kind of step it up. And other guys are more drills or practice players. They look good in shorts. But when it comes time to add in all the elements of playing ball, they don't necessarily play up to expectation based on their athleticism and talent. Many camps are interesting because there's already a pecking order. Draft picks get the bulk of the reps. Your undrafters will get kind of some of the reps, and then you have your guys that are your trial guys. They may get a couple crumbs or two. What you do in those reps can really alter and shake the depth chart, particularly for those lower guys. You can put yourself in a really good opportunity or a good place to have an opportunity to really get seen if you stand out in minicamp. But the thing is, can you sustain it over the long haul? I mean, I'm sure, DJ, you have a bunch of cases where we've seen someone flash in minicamp. We flash, oh, yeah. see them flash early in OTAs. But then as training camp goes on, you kind of see them petering out. It is always uh, – you have to be cautiously optimistic about guys that flash the, the early part of camp because you want to see if they have the ability to do it over the long haul. And you also would have guys that uh... – you know, you kind of go through those gong show guys, so it'd be a three-day mini camp. So maybe the second day you have somebody go down, so you get another a new guy in there for that third day. So he shows up, he hasn't done anything, he's fresh as can be, and he looks unbelievable out there in, that, in that third day. Those other guys are all tired at this. The first time they've done football activity in so long, coming off two kind of long days. So you got to be careful with that one uh, as well. All right, Buck, I want to read you some reports. These are old reports. I think these are all from uh, – around like 07, 08. So these are veteran players in the NFL right now. But I want to kind of just go back and read you the report. And some of them, just when I went back and was reading them, I was like, man, that sounds just like so-and-so in this year's draft class. So I'll read them. I won't tell you the name. And just tell me if, who, who it reminds you of, right? All right. All right, this is a, a running back. Uh, lean, muscled up, 200 pounds. Outstanding quicks, burst, and make missability. On inside runs, he's decisive, gets north and south. Isn't a lower-the-shoulder type, but he steps through tackles, makes defenders miss in tight quarters. At his best on perimeter runs, where his burst allows him to turn the corner. He's elusive in space, has HR speed from anywhere on the field. Catches the ball free and easy and can create with it. Isn't asked to block much in this offense, goes low, and is effective in limited chances. Has put the ball on the ground throughout his career and needs to tighten that aspect of his game up. Um, So I kind of just scroll down there. Um, I might have a guess. All right, then the, I said last guy. I said this guy would have huge lanes to run through with our passing threat. He would pop some very long runs. So it's kind of that's the description of the player. Can you can you tell me? Does that remind you of somebody in this year's class? Sola, you'll get your chance. Let Bucky run at. Does it, it remind me of somebody in this class? Let's see. Um, gosh, it's tough because there are a couple guys uh, that come to mind. But you said he's a bigger guy, and so that makes it tougher bigger because when i think no he's not a bigger guy he's 200 pounder 200 pounder i said overall the last thing uh, one of the things i had overall this is a typical second round type 
Uh, that should pounds? fit nicely. He will complement a bigger back. Oh, okay. So that sounds to me like a guy like a Alvin Kamara. That was my or guess. Even like a like a Dalvin Cook type in terms of being able to complement someone instead of being a fourth. I thought it was Alvin because of the fumbles. Well, well, Dalvin Cook has had a ton of right. fumbles. Right. You know. So that's that's where that's where that's when I re- was going back and reading this. That's what it reminded me of. So do you know who the player is? Uh, 2007, 2008. Let's see. We're just recently signed somewhere, actually. Mm. Inside the same division. Jamal Charles? Boom. Yep. Jamal Charles. Wow. Okay. That's How about funny. that 2007. One? Nice. Because he was a third-round pick. Was he third-round pick? Is that where he ended up going? I think he was a third-round yeah. pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I had a top-of-the-second-round grade on him. Just like I was – okay. At that time, too, you're like, man, those 200-pound backs, it's kind of hard to take a 200-pound back in so, the first round. So it's funny now because now those 200-pound backs appear to be in vogue. Um, yeah. People trying to find guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and do a lot. Dalvin Cook evidently was very impressive in Minnesota, as he would be. We talked about how good and how talented he was, fell out the first round for whatever reason, the character concerns or just worrying about – those things that come around with him. But to go to Minnesota to be in a situation where he gets to play alongside Sam Bradford in an offense that is really more of a true West Coast offense, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but I, I wouldn't yeah, mind. I think he's going to be all right. I wouldn't mind sliding a couple here. chips in the middle of the table saying this guy may have a, take a good run at the offense rookie of the year. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just thought, man, if he hey, look, if he's Jamal Charles, Minnesota's going to be pretty darn happy with that, uh, with that pick. All right, let's go to another one here. Uh, this is a wide receiver. Big frame, well put together for the position. Uh, finished the year with 122 catches, 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns. Very productive. Lines up both in the slot and out wide. He's the focal point of the entire offense. Catches a lot of quick hitters and shallow crossers. Uh, he's a smooth runner that quietly closes the cushion on defenders and gets on top. Has a natural feel as a route runner. Uh, head nod, weave, as well as lean on defenders to get open. Very strong to chuck press when presented with it. Uh, works well in zones. Strong hands to pluck high, low on his back hip. After the catch, deceptive speed. He can power through tackles. Um, and he's also got some punt return production. Overall, this player is a uh, – gosh, what I have? Overall, this player is a natural fit in our system. So I gave him a, I gave him like a late one, early two. Man, it's funny because when you were talking about smooth and shallow crosses, first thing that came to mind was Corey Davis because he called so many at Mac. Look he, at you, Buck. We're seeing we're, we're, this. This is why this works. Man. Yeah, because right. when I watched his tape, he he caught a bunch of shallow crosses in that Mac offense. Um, did a bunch of different things. I don't remember him necessarily being a punt returner, but his ability no, to make no, things yeah, that happen. Was, that's why I almost wanted to leave that out because it that didn't fit the narrative I was trying to push here. But just With, all those other aspects of it sounded just like. Can you guess who that receiver is? Yeah, no, I mean, like it's perfect. You know, the funny thing with the Corey Davis pick. Um, and I don't know, like, because I couldn't hear your coverage on draft night. When he went off the board at five, were you surprised that he went off the board at five, or did you expect him to go a little later? Because I think John Robinson's explanation or what has come out of Tennessee later made a lot of sense, and I think it's valid when you have two picks. What did you think about him coming off the board at five? Well, to me, it was funny because I was trying to figure out in the in the days preceding the draft who was this who was going to be his Jack Conklin because. You start to get a sense of, of you know, J. Rob does not care what where other people have players or how high they should go or shouldn't go. He's going to take what he feels is a player with a very high floor, uh, with high character that's mature that you can plug and play, and that's what he got with Jack Conklin. So when I was looking at them, I knew they wanted to get a receiver at either five or eighteen. So I thought, okay, you know, I, I think I might even have given him Mike Williams at mm-hmm. five, even though I yes, had you had you had done that, yeah. yes. So I knew like either five or eighteen receivers going to be one of those two spots. So I wasn't totally shocked it was Corey Davis, um, but to me it was the other guy was uh, Jared Davis, the the linebacker from Florida. I thought he kind of was that Jack Conklin of the defense. So uh, that was one that I kind of thought might make some sense for him. Maybe they would push him up much higher than everybody else. Yeah, I think the inter- the, the big thing that came out of it, they obviously wanted to make sure they walked away from the first round with a wide receiver and a quarterback. And the fact that they took the wide receiver early and came back and got the corner because they didn't want to miss out on getting one of the big three wideouts. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when we're, they went, they went just like that right after he took him. And so if you think about the draft and how we talk about the perfect pairings, they got the perfect pairing. They just did it in a different order than many of us had speculated because we thought the receivers would be available down the line. But Robinson was committed. And, yeah, he said – 
I don't care what people think. We want the guy. We want the guy to be on our team. We're not going to get Q. We're not going to say, oh, we'll just wait to get him. They took him at five. They'll live with whether they uh, was it overvalued or not. But they got both players that they wanted because I'm sure they had their eyes set on Adoree Jackson immediately after taking Corey Davis because you think about all the things that Adoree brought to the table as a returner and a, a skilled guy on the perimeter playing corner. There's a lot of lot of buzz in the street, a lot of love in the street, you say, for him. And that's why we do that little game. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. It's what takes place in the draft room. Would you rather have this pairing or that pairing? And if you look at what they did and why they guessed right, is because you would say, okay, we can have Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson, or Marshawn we can have Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore and really Zay Jones, right? Because that's, that's what it would have been left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and so it worked right. out. And I'm sure you guys did that in Baltimore and other places where you do go through those scenarios and you do kind of have the various clusters. Which hall would we rather have? Like, what is it? Let's make yeah. a deal. A, B, or C, which door do you want? And, I mean – I think it's been a pretty good draft, and they really, really have added some nice pieces to, I think, a roster that is already on the come. And J-Rob and that crew, they have it going down in Tennessee. All right, did you guess who that receiver was, though, that I read that report that sounded like Corey Davis? Who'd no, you, who'd you have? I got it. I, I cheated and looked up the draft class, though. Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn? Yeah. Sound like Go him. back to sleep, Sully. Go back what do you mean? Pump returner? I said he's got some punt returns, oh, okay. but I talked about how physical this guy how was. Physical, how, how, how natural how, route runner. How he caught the ball and all that other yeah. stuff. Well, it was Calvin or Debo then. Well in zones. Mm. No. 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 It's not Marius. It's not Dez. Steve second, Smith. Second round pick that's been to a whole lot of Pro Bowls. Steve Smith? No. Maybe not a whole. Maybe, yeah, at least probably I'd say four or five Pro Bowls. Oh. Won a Super Bowl. Huh. Played in the Big 12. Big 12. Second round. Um, Bucky's very familiar with this team and how they go about their business, talk about their philosophy all the time. Ooh, the Big 12? Big 12. Not a powerhouse team in the Big 12. Big 12. Former doormat in the Big 12 that has a very veteran coach, and I mean very K-State. There you go. Mm. Tell me about Jordy. Nelson? Jordy Nelson. Wow. wow. Nice. That was my comparison for Corey Davis. Was it really? Yeah, that's what I compared him to. I compared How about him, that? I compared him to Corey to Did, yeah, I Jordy mean, it reads just like him. It reads just like him. I wish I would have read this report before I made my comparison because I like yours better. Yeah, I compared him to Jordy. Um, God, like, man, I'm looking up. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Let's get a quarterback in the mix here. This is a junior declare, started for two and a half years, thick, solid frame, operates both under center and the gun, average foot quicks away from center, needs to clean up his footwork at the top of his drop, too many false steps, doesn't need much room around him to deliver the ball. He takes either a short stride or none at all, has an ideal high quick release. This player has an all caps, big time arm. Uh, The ball jumps out of his hands and and is tight and it's humming. At his best on play action seven step, we can really stretch out a defense with deep crossers, seams, and skinny posts, and squeeze it in tight spots. Underneath show, underneath throws shows the ability to take some off and touch it up, but doesn't do it consistently. Um, accuracy is good, not great. Should improve when he cleans up some footwork. Um, this offense doesn't force him to go too deep into progressions. Lots of hit your back foot throws underneath uh, or play action two man routes. He'll need some time to develop in a more complicated NFL system. Um, he is an accurate thrower on the move and can stop and throw all the way across the field, catching defenders by surprise. Overall, I see some Jay Cutler in this player, but I ah, think that's funny. Overall, um, that's that's where I've got there. Can you man? Because when you when you wrote, I was like, man, that sounds like Jay Cutler. Yeah, <laughs> it no. sounds like. Um, it's funny because this person, like, who? First of all, when you hear, when you see that, do it with this year's draft. Who is that? Who is that in this year's draft? Huge arm, can throw all the way across the field. Yeah, Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes, right? So then is that Matt Stafford? Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, because when you said it, I was like, man, that sounds like – You guys used him him for player comps for sure. Matthew Stafford was one of the first Uh, names. Yeah, Yeah. that's what we talked about. That's what he talked about as well. So it's just interesting. There are some things in there. I thought, you know, look, he's on Matt Stafford under center, seven-step drop. Like, it's a different – totally different offense. Uh, but still, there were some instances where you just see Matt Stafford just catch rock and throw, and you saw him make some of those crazy. Off-class. He did, and you know it was funny when we had 
Pat in here, he talked about looking at how Matthew Stafford has gone from being a gunslinger to being a quarterback that was playing maybe his best football a season ago and how he can learn from that. And that is true because Matthew Stafford was the gunslinger forever in Detroit. And now we're beginning to see him kind of dial it back a little bit and kind of play winning football, which has been a huge difference in the Detroit Lions the last couple of years. All right, let's do one more. Okay, you ready? Yep. Uh, this guy is a three-year starter at corner. Uh, good height, thick, square builder for the position. Um, Finished the season. He had five interceptions, 11 PBUs, so productive. Um, uh, very physical when up in press coverage. He can reroute and tie up. Does have some stiffness when he opens up the run. Better on runaway routes where he has to break down. Uh, wait, let me see here. Better. Losing my uh, vision here. He's better on runaway routes than he is when he has to break down and work back downhill. Very, He's very rigid. From off coverage, plays from a side turn with his eyes in the backfield. Excellent reading QBs and jumping routes. Average burst, but his anticipation allows him to get his hands on a lot of footballs. Reliable hands to finish. Outstanding tackler. Attacks ball carriers, chests them up and gets them down consistently. If he doesn't work out at corner, he'd be a good safety candidate. He isn't as fast as Iowa's Godfrey, uh, who went to the Panthers from 08, but is more instinctive and a good tackler. Uh, overall, this is a 59-61 type, which is our grading scale. I'm bumping up because of our need at the position. He's immediately our third best corner and could eventually be our safety. Ooh. Initially, I was saying, man, that sounds a little bit like Richard Sherman, but it's not that draft class. No, no. Um, hmm. So this is, I guess this is 09 maybe is when this is? Uh, Somewhere around there. Is that a key? No, no. So this is like a squat, more of a squatty, squatty body. In terms, squatty. it's kind of like you got to work. You kind of got to work backwards. So when I look at this year's draft class, Desmond King. Um, okay, I can see this that. Player remind me of this is this is Glover Quinn when he was coming mm. out of New Mexico. It was a very productive corner. A little bit stiff. Didn't know if he could hold up at corner. Thought, okay, with the ball skills and the toughness, you can bump him back to safety, and he's been a heck of a safety. He's had a great uh, career. So. He has had a really, really long career in Detroit. When they talk to coaches in Detroit about him, they say he's the guy that is the traffic cop. He gets everyone lines up. He has the ability to kind of run the defense from the back end, which really frees the coaches up to let the players make the play. So that was a good call. Man, I didn't see Desmond him. King, we're- where did he end up? Did uh, did he ever go San Diego? Georgia? San Diego. Don't, don't, they haven't said him to. Say San Diego. Oh, L.A. 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 I'm sorry. L.A. L.A. The Supercharger. Hey, they still haven't played a game yet, so we'll give you a break oh. on that one. Look, yeah. hey, that's a fun fun little game, though, huh? Go that's back awesome. and read some of the yeah. old ones. Little, little spin right. on hits and misses. Yeah, there you go. A little, little different twist on it. All right, Buck, I'm going to kind of go through. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way we can do this. We could say... Uh, Let's go no trouble. Let's go big trouble. Or, or, or just go, let's go in the middle. So we're going to go through the division winners here. And we're going to go, based off the offseason they've had and everybody else in that division has had, they won the division last year. Are they in, are they, are they in uh, big trouble this coming year? No trouble, or are they somewhere in the middle? All right, you ready? All right, New England was 14-2 and two in the AFC East. They've owned this division for a decade plus. No trouble, big trouble, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, no trouble. <laughs> no it's, trouble, because I think no this, is a, this is a better team than the one that uh, hoisted the Lombardi in uh, February. This is a team that has gotten more explosive with Brandon Cooks coming over. Uh, they added some draft picks that I think could contribute. Derek Rivers in particular being a guy that could uh, rush the passer. They just have everything. Added some running backs. This is a loaded team, so I, I can't imagine – how anyone in this division, Bills, Dolphins, Jets, can even knock them off, let That's alone take the, take the title away from them. All right, I'm with you on that. I'm going to go no trouble with New England. All right, Pittsburgh 11-5 and five in the AFC North. No trouble, big trouble, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, I'm going to say somewhere in the middle. And the reason I'm going to say somewhere in the middle, uh, this is a tightly contested division. The Ravens and the Bengals are poised to kind of bring them back to the pack. I think Pittsburgh still wins it. But I think Cincinnati's going to be a lot better than people think. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm tempted to say no trouble just because I think Pittsburgh, the way their roster is set up, I think they, they got some nice additions in the draft. I think T.J. Watt's going to fit perfectly in what they do there. Um, and I think, look, if they get Martavis Bryant, if they can get him back in, in the mix with what they already have offensively, 
whew, I, don't, I don't know how those teams are going to slow them down. But I am, I do agree with you. I think the, the Bengals are somebody to keep an eye on. I think the Ravens um, are going to be a better football team. And I think even the Browns are going to be competitive. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to win a lot of games in this division, but I do think they'll sneak a couple wins inside this division, be more competitive. So I'll say somewhere in the middle there. I'm with you on Pittsburgh. Uh, Houston, 9-7, and seven, Bucky. Uh, no trouble, big trouble, or somewhere in the mi- middle. Well, it's all hinges on the quarterback. And so we'll say they are in big trouble in terms of repeating just because so many unknowns at the quarterback position. And one on one hand, you have Tom Savage, who's only started two career games, doesn't have a touchdown pass, has a tough time staying healthy. On the other hand, you have Deshaun Watson, who has the pedigree and the experience in terms of being a starter, but he's never started in NFL. Man, man it's just – it's just tough. I think this is a team. J.J. Watt comes back. J.J. Watt, the number one defense. I know, but you, yeah, I like the defense and all the other stuff, but I just worry about that offense. In a division where Tennessee has gotten better, they're yeah. tougher, they're physical. Jacksonville is going to be tougher and more physical in the Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, I, I think that's a toss-up in the South. I mean, You're going to go big trouble? Um, I mean, I guess you can say big trouble, yeah, because Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson. Put it out there. Don't go in the middle. Go big trouble. Yeah. There we go. Big trouble. I beat you. I'm, I actually see. I'm with you on that. A big trouble as well. I, I think. I think Indianapolis defensively has made a bunch of upgrades. I think Andrew Luck, if he's healthy, you'll see him come back to form. And I'm telling you, that Tennessee roster is not bad. And Jacksonville, if the court again, if it's the all the quarterback. If the quarterback, but I think the Jags have a defense that can rival what the what the Texans are going to throw out there. They don't have a Clowney or a J.J. Watt, but what they're going to have on the back end as well as just the overall team speed on defense, they're going to be pretty darn good. So I'm with you on that. I don't think Houston wins this division this year. Uh, way too early prediction there. All right, Kansas City, 12-4. and four. Obviously, Oakland was right there with them with the car injury, but as of right now, you still look at the Chiefs as a division, uh, division winner right there, 12-4. and four. No trouble, big trouble in the middle. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. This division is tough. Um I still think they have a little trouble. I still think it's the Chiefs' division to lose. And the reason You're I say – in the middle somewhere? Just in the middle. But I, I, you know what? I'm going to say no trouble. And here's why I'm going to say no trouble. I think they're better suited to repeat um, because I think the Raiders are going to fall back to the back. Even though they have Marshawn Lynch, now they'll go from being the hunters to the hunted. More people will really try to attack them. And I still worry about their defense being up to snuff. And then with the Broncos, quarterback situation, offensive line. Can they get back on track? Kansas City has the most stable team, approach, leadership, personnel, turnover. I'm going to go with them, but I'm going to put an asterisk by the L.A. Chargers. I think the the L.A. Chargers can jump the Broncos and the Raiders and emerge as a playoff team this season. I think the Chargers, people say I'm crazy. I think the Chargers could win this division. Uh, I mean, I know Uh, how bad it was last year. I know how high they picked. I know the struggles that Phillip Rivers has had. I'm just telling you, with – with, with the guys that get back, coming back healthy, Keenan Allen get back in the mix, Jason Verrett back in the mix, and you add in what they did in the offseason, upgrading the offensive line in the draft, giving Phillip Rivers another weapon and Mike Williams, I think this team could – I think this this, this could be a double-digit team uh, win team. I think people – look, I, every time I say this, I get crushed. Uh, people all, all come on, you grew up there, what have you, but – I'm telling you, man. But they're just, not there anymore. They're in I, L.A. I they, got a talented, they got a talented roster. Yeah, exactly. They're in L.A. Come on. <laughs> no, they have uh, I'm, I'm going to say big trouble for the Chiefs, though, to get to the point here. I think, I think they could be in big trouble just because if Carr is healthy, that's a dynamic, dynamic – I mean, forget about Marshawn Lynch. I mean, that's, a, that's a little cherry on top, but I think they, they're going to be a dynamic team. And then I think the Chargers are better. And the Broncos are just kind of forgotten about. If they can get some consistent quarterback play, we know what that defense can do. So – I think that division is wide open right now. I mean, I believe – I mean, it's a it's a tough division. It's very competitive. Yeah, but the L.A. Chargers are a team that can very well make a run. I'm kind of excited to see what Phillip Rivers does with his new toys on the outside. No question. All right, let's go Dallas Cowboys 13-3 and three last year. No trouble, big trouble, or in the middle. Big trouble. Yeah. Damn big trouble just because I think there's going to be a natural market correction. Uh, Dak Prescott played out of his mind last year. Uh, what? 10, 11 games with a passer rating over 100. I believe in the second year, teams begin to catch up. They force him, begin to force him to do some things that he doesn't necessarily want to do. I think he'll see his interceptions go up. Um, for Zeke Elliott, I think everyone understands how dominant and powerful he is, but they'll make a wholesale effort and commitment to make sure that they stop the Cowboys' run game and put more of the onus on Dak. 
to do it. Yeah. And I just don't know if he can live up to it based on what most people experience in their second years. A lot of moving parts on that defense, too. I mean, I, I know they weren't great, but, man, a lot of moving parts, a lot of guys out, a lot of guys in. Uh, a lot of change over there. I, I, I would say I'm going to say somewhere in the middle. I think offensively, it's still going to be really, really talented and really good. Um, I think that the interesting signing in this division, or the interesting move in this division, I don't think anybody's talking about Timmy Jernigan going from the Ravens to the Eagles. This Eagles defensive scheme with Jim Schwartz fits him beautifully. I think this is somebody as an interior player next to Fletcher Cox. He's going to be up. He could be like a he could get like a sneaky nine or ten sacks in this defense next year. Yeah, I love this defense. I love what Philadelphia is putting together. I like how the pieces of the puzzle match the way that Jim Schwartz wants to play. And this is a team that can get after you in a variety of ways, whether it's traditional rushes, whether it's plus one. Um, they can do that. And because they can get after it with so many different disguises, it's, it's going to be a tough team. It's going to be a tough team yeah, to deal with. Yeah, the Giants, with. with all their defenses played as well as they did last year, uh, they bring in some more firepower on offense with the uh, with the Brandon Marshall. So we'll see what happens with them. I think it's just overall, I think it's a really good division. The Redskins, everybody's kind of forgotten about them and given up on them. I don't think their offense is going to fall off as drastically as people think with Deshaun gone and Pierre Garçon gone. Uh, Garçon gone. I mean, they still have. You get Jordan Reed healthy. They get back uh, uh, Doxon, get him healthy and in the mix. I think this team offensively is going to be just fine. They should be fine. Jay Gruden and Kirk Cousins have a synergy between play caller, play designer, and quarterback. That is something that you can't overlook. Yes, they lost plenty of weapons, Pierre Gasson, Deshaun Jackson, but they have some young guys who can come in and fill those voids. I expect their young guys to play key roles um, next season. It, this is very, very competitive division. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up yeah, to me. It's pretty wide open. Green Bay, 10-6. and six. Bucky, no trouble, big trouble, or in the middle. Uh, I think they're in the middle, and they're in the middle because I like what Detroit is doing. Detroit has gotten rock-solid players um, in the draft. I think it's time for them to make a move. In fact, they were the team that was winning the division until the Packers knocked them off at the very, very end. Um, yeah. I think the Packers are – improved but they're still vulnerable in that division because teams know how to take care of business within a division yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna say no trouble I, look i know some teams have gotten better no trouble I, i'm going no trouble i just i, I bucky I'm, i simplify things aaron Rodgers, i'm good i'll just stick with him he's good look he's got the uh I don't get into the personal stuff, but he's going to be motivated, man. He's got he's got a lot of time on his hands, focusing on ball. He's ready to go. Uh, I'm going to go no trouble there. Atlanta 11 and five, Bucky. I'll start off with this one. That division again, I think, is the most explosive division in the NFL. So start with that. No trouble, big trouble in the middle for the Falcons. <sighs> um, man. I'm going to say big trouble. And I'm going to say big trouble Whoa, because of the okay. super, super Bowl hangover. Only because, man, that has to take a lot out of you to be so close to be able to taste the championship. I mean, you're already sizing up your ring and everything. And then to lose that after having such a big lead, man, I think that's tough. Um, Tampa Bay's better. Carolina's improved on offense. And the New Orleans Saints have done some good things to put them in a position. I believe – I believe it's going to be tough for the Atlanta Falcons to repeat. Uh, they're good enough to do it. I just don't know, man. I don't know. This division is much better. Much yeah, better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say somewhere in the middle. I still think the Falcons have the best team in the in the division overall when you just look at it top to bottom and what they can do. I think McKinley, if he's healthy, if his shoulder's right, uh, compliments Vic Beasley. I think that defense, we, you've talked about it a bunch in the spring. You know, They played those four rookies last year. Now you get into year two. I think you see those guys take another step forward. I think this is kind of one of those sneaky good defenses uh, that could take a big leap forward here in the second year for all these guys. Yeah, I think so. This, I mean, you love watching competitive football. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see it all take shape. But one thing I know, not only this division, but everyone in the NFC, man, this, I think we're going to see – we always see the turnover. We always see five or six new teams in the playoffs. I would expect to see that trend continue because there are a lot of – evenly matched teams in these divisions it's about the quarterback and it's ultimately going to be about the playmakers and the defense to determine which guys get there all right last one seattle 10 5 and 1 in the west last year i mean it's no trouble big trouble in the middle my question is if it is big trouble who's the team that's going to challenge them i don't know if there's a team that can challenge i, I don't see him have any trouble um regardless how that offense performs 
Russell makes enough plays um, for them to win. Defensively, they're still one of the top ten defenses. Uh, they're older. They're more susceptible to certain things. But they consistently step up, play really well. I'm going to say they win the division again. If a team competes, it would be the Cardinals. But I think yeah. they win by at least two games over the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm with you. I, look, I, I think the Cardinals have a good roster, but I'm still going to say no trouble here for Seattle. I think they end up cruising. I think they start uh, – you start 2-0 and with the two games. I mean, you count two games against the, the Niners. I think they win those two. The Rams, I know that they've been competitive against the Seahawks, but I don't think they get them this year. I, I think that's, that's four wins to start the season right there inside your division. I mean, so I, I don't know. I, I like Seattle in this one. I mean, I like Seattle um, just the way. And I think the thing to watch will be how do they – integrate those four DBs that they drafted into the mix. The Legion of Boom is older, all those guys around 28, 29, 30 years old. As they begin to kind of transition the older guys out, how are they setting the table for the next generation of the Legion of Boom to take over? That would be the thing that I look for. And I also want to see is, can they develop a running game, a running game that allows them to win games in the postseason without having to throw the ball 30 times with Russell Wilson? All right, a couple last thing I want to do here before we get out of here, Bucky. I, I I always love to, once the draft is over, to peek ahead and look at that first week of the college football season and kind of wet my whistle a little bit. It's nothing better than the uh, than the start of the college football season. You got a million games going on, so I picked out twelve that I think are going to have kind of a cool storyline or something really to look forward to for us. So I want to get you excited. I know we got a long time before the season, but I want to get Bucky Brooks pumped up. All right, let's do it. Um, All right, you ready? Pulling up schedule. All right, All right what we got? The, the big one, Bama and Florida State, Bucky, and I, I believe that's in the new stadium in Atlanta will be the first game inside that new oh, stadium. Oh, you think that's a big game? That's How huge is that? <laughs> that might be, what, two top three teams? I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a great game to watch. And I think the big thing that I'm looking for, um, I want to see what Florida State has. Florida State has Derwin James, Buck. It is all Derwin James. He is a grown man, one of the best specimens that you're going to see. You talk about a guy that is 6'3", an old-school safety. He's athletic. He can come down in the slide. He can blitz off the edge. He can play the deep middle. He's a natural leader, an alpha dog. All those things we talked about um, earlier, he is. And, in fact, I'm going to kind of say this is going to be a crazy combination, but I'm going to take two draft prospects from last year's draft, this draft we just finished, and I'm going to say – he has a mix of Jamal Adams and Ruba Foster in his game in terms of he plays with a nasty streak and temperament, but he is an outstanding leader. I mean, he's one of my favorites. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but, like, kind of treat these yeah, prospects he's, like kids. He's, he's, he's one of mine. I'm going to adopt him early. And we got – and, you know, like Alabama's got a million guys. We'll get into them later. Calvin Ridley, we'll see if he can kind of take that next step there. Uh, wide receiver from Bama, again, a bunch of young defensive players they're going to have there. Minka Fitzpatrick, I know, is one of your favorites, Buck. So there will be no shortage of prospects. I got to get yeah, we got Francois, too. Oh, yeah, you got the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, who, who had his, like, little mini coming out party against another SEC team last year in week one in Ole Miss. Can yeah, he do but it? then it just kind of, eh, yeah, 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 exactly. Can he, can he come back on track? State. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, Buck, we got to figure out a way. Let's take move the sticks on the road for that game. Oh, I think we have to. I think we have to get the budget lined up. So we I'll be in Atlanta this weekend. That weekend, will you? Yeah, Tennessee plays uh, Georgia Tech on Monday. We'll get that's, to that later. That's on. my number. That's my number twelve game. I'm getting yeah, there. There you go. Uh, all right, Bucky. <laughs> next one, Wyoming, Iowa. Just looking forward to this because you got the quarterback Josh Allen at Wyoming, who you're always going to watch those Power Five games that that quarterbacks that aren't in the Power Five play. Yes. So that's a big stage for him at Iowa. Uh, look for him to go in there and try and tear those guys up and, and, and start making his claim to be the top guy next year. You know, there's been a lot of discussion and conversation about these quarterbacks, and Josh Allen's name continues to come up because he's big. He has a big-time arm. He's a gunslinger. He's athletic enough to do some of the things that you like. You want to see how does he perform first game of the year, Iowa, on the road. Can he handle all the pressure? As we begin to try and take in all this information on guys that can be franchise quarterbacks, how do they handle the stress of having to do it when you don't have the support of the home team? That's one of the things I'll be looking for from him. All right. Western Michigan, USC, for obvious reasons, we'll see Sam Darnold uh, in the opening game for the USC Trojans, and that is a Western Michigan team. Obviously, a lot of departures there when you look at the quarterback, Corey Davis, uh, your, your, your stud tackle. They lost a lot of pieces there. Obviously, lost their head coach, uh, P.J. Fleck. But Western Michigan, a team that's won a lot of games, that's not a cupcake for USC and Sam Darnold. Not a cupcake. It would be a tougher game if they were still rowing the boat under P.J. Fleck. 
But PJ has gone to Minnesota. It's a new team making a little bit of a transition with the coaching staff. We'll see. But this is the Sam Darnold showcase. It's an opportunity for him to showcase his skills early in the season to kind of make sure that everyone uh, just kind of continues to see what they thought they saw with him when he stepped in and took over for Max Brown. Talented, ball comes out, leader, athletic, has some things. You want to check out that long wind-up and delivery and see if that's yep. going to be something that you have to downgrade him for. Yeah, no question. And then uh, the next one, Bucky, it looks like your Tar Heels get a Bay Area team they might actually be able to beat. Uh, yeah, the Cal, Cal, now yeah. Got Cal. Cal Bears. Cal Bears come, come out west. That should be an interesting game because who's going to play quarterback for Cal? I don't know who's going to play quarterback or any of the skilled guys from, from oh, North Carolina. Replacing quarterbacks. I mean, replacing a, a lot of guys. And so there is a corner, MJ Stewart, for North Carolina, who has a chance to be one of the good ones. Keep an eye on him because this system would definitely um, challenge them. And I think for California, you have to look. There's a young wide receiver. I think his name is Demetrius. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was a five-star kid out of Georgia. Five-star kid. Demetrius Robinson, I think. This yeah. is, this makes you get no, he's nice. Right. He is a big-time player. You can never start looking at these playmakers too soon, but he is someone that you want to keep your eye on. That would be a big-time test for North Carolina. Demetrius Robinson, that's Robertson, that's the one. He had a ooh, 50 catches, 767, seven touchdowns as a freshman, true freshman at that. Yeah, not bad. How about Florida, Michigan? Looking forward to that one. Michigan replaces 900 starters uh, in there with Harbaugh <laughs> Company going up against Florida in a defense that seems like they lost everybody off that defense. So that should be uh, – we'll see what kind of depth these two programs have based off what they lost last year. I mean, that is a big game. That is a big game in Dallas. So that should be a lot of intrigue um, over that game. Um, I want to say the running back. Let's see. Is that Devon? Uh, oh, no, no. He went, he went to the – Dolphins. I was looking to see which running back came back for them because I know they had a young guy that stepped in and played a little bit for them. Oh, there Michigan? Chris Feedback. Evans, number 12. Chris yep. Evans, number 12. Four touchdowns, had 614 yards. He's a guy that kind of showed up a little bit. Flash had a big game against Rutgers, showed a little bit against Florida State. He had a nice little touchdown. So want to see how those guys step up. And then Florida always has dudes. So yeah, they'll have someone guys. will step up or whatever. We'll get the chance to see. Uh, how Big Ten matches up with SEC speed. Next one, and uh, I'm just going to keep a little profile on this one. I'm not ever going to mention it again. App State, Georgia. We're going to lay Ooh. low. We're going to lay low. We're not going to go get those hairy dogs in Athens. Go get them. Yeah, Come on, thinking, oh. Hey, but silly, we got to keep this thing low. Keep it quiet. Let's <sighs> sneak up. Got to sneak up on them. Yeah. Okay, so now you got. I got a little too loud. When we played Miami. I, I, I'm never doing that again. So yeah. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> so That's now the, the thing about the Georgia. Uh, game in the Georgia team. So they have a quarterback in Jacob Easton last year who was a a freshman quarterback. Big, strong kid, 6'5", 235 pounds, 16 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio. But they have a freshman that has come in there. Jacob Fromm. Yeah, Jake Fromm. Yeah, Fromm. But supposedly the Easton has the upper hand because he's got that year underneath him. But Fromm eventually might might take over. Yeah, so so there are people that are talking about the kid. I think he was the Jake number one QB last year, yeah. He was, pro-style quarterback. He yep. was the number one. Um, what does he look like? How does he handle it? This is a, a big-time guy. He he came and competed. He did some things in the spring. Man, look, it's, this is tough. All right, Buck, a tough I'm, one. I'm going to go I'm gonna go rapid fire. I think that's six. We've got six more. All right, here we South go. Carolina, NC State. NC State's defensive line is loaded. When you watched all these other dudes from this year against NC State, I saw that defensive line whip up on a bunch of teams. So that that's kind of like my underrated team this year, NC State. Yeah, I don't want to hear that because that means they may be able to knock my Tar Heels off, and that is always, <laughs> always what was the line, by the way? What was the line that, that all those things? Wake is fake. Uh, what was NC State? What did yeah, they say about I, NC State? I don't know. I've never liked any of those schools on, tar- uh, on tobacco. They always said yeah. all your little North Carolina schools. You always have like those little taglines about. Yeah, the, yeah, I don't. Yeah, NC State. But you're right. They do have some talented guys along that front line um it's gonna be a tough duke tough i want to say duke is puke state is fake and yeah, and then i don't know i don't know whatever uh anyways i think state's gonna be decent i know you want to hear it all right maryland at texas we'll get to see the uh the new era of texas football uh see what that looks like under tom herman i'm looking forward to that they you know when i went and watched them last year against notre dame i know they both teams ended up sucking but I thought Texas had some good-looking younger guys. I know just Deontay Foreman was the only draft pick this year. 
They've got some guys that Charlie Strong recruited that are in the pipeline. I, I'm anxious to really dig in and look at that team this year. They, they do have some interesting guys. I can't remember. I'm trying to figure out the, the they got a left tackle backs. that can play. Yeah, but they have a, they have a linebacker, 46. Yeah. Let's Malik see Jefferson. what we got. Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson, 6'3", 238, super athletic, was a big-time, big-time recruit coming in. I want to see how he looks. And also, I want to see what Tom Herman does with the young quarterback. Shane Bouchel. Shane uh, he had a pretty good year last year, pretty solid, 21-11, and 11, threw the ball all over the yard. But we know that Herman has a quarterback-friendly system. I would expect those numbers to skyrocket uh, next year as he throws the ball around. I can already feel your excitement building as we go through these games, Buggy. All right, Temple, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, your guy Wimbush, we've been hearing a lot about this quarterback, this young quarterback at Notre Dame. Anxious to see him. And another name, I'll tell you what, a name that I've been hearing – uh, a lot of buzz about was that tight end for Notre Dame who missed last year, who is back now this year. Um, and why is that name escaping me? He, uh, he's from uh, Bishop Gorman. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see if we can. Alize Jones, I want to say. Oh, Alize Jones. Let's see if we can. There is a lot yeah. of buzz building about that kid. <laughs> well, the one thing that Notre Dame has always traditionally had is they've typically had those big body pass catchers that can make it happen at the tight end spot. So I wouldn't be surprised for Brian Kelly to have one. And when they switched over to the new offense, it talked about he talked about wanting to incorporate the tight ends more into the mix. So yeah, you got Alize will have an opportunity to kind of showcase his skills. All right, Josh Rosen, back in the saddle. A&M comes to UCLA to the Rose Bowl. I love it when they do these home-and-homes, Bucky. That's going to be a fun one. A&M has to replace Miles Garrett. Christian Kirk, wide receiver, he is, is the a, guy to a, watch. Like a dynamite. He is fun to watch. Fun to watch. He is a – I mean, he's a guy who is really polished as a wide receiver. Outstanding pass catcher. He's a guy that can go in a slide. He can play outside. He can make it happen with the ball in his hands. But really, all eyes are going to be on the quarterback. I think we've kind of forgotten about Josh Rosen a little bit because yep. he had the this injury. Is kind of his, this is his re-coming out party. In this and game, because right? of the game is on a Sunday, and there are no other games. It's, it's, it's that game and then West Virginia, Virginia Tech, he's going to have the entire stage to himself to show and prove that he's a guy that's worthy of consideration at the top. Well, you touched on it. West Virginia, Virginia Tech, that was next on my list. Honestly, I don't at this point in time know much about either team in terms of what they're bringing back, but it's West Virginia and Virginia Tech. It's a pretty good matchup we've won. Oh, uh, yeah, it should be a pretty good matchup. I, I mean, I want to say, did they had a, didn't they have a little quarterback? Scott, oh, he was a senior last year, Scott, Scott Howard. So, But we do know that, oh, Will Greer. Will oh, Greer that's right. Transferred. Will Greer, the transfer, the quarterback yeah. from Florida. Nice. Yep. Watch out. Another coming out party. These young. And these Virginia young Tech, I mean, they're they're going to have some talent, but they lost a ton, too. Are they going to be able to bounce back? Yeah, they lost this a ton. And a, a everybody lot of else has to get drafted. Yep. I love college football, man. It's just like, this is, like opening up, this is like opening up a bunch of new presents, man. I feel like I've been playing with the same <laughs> toys for the last uh, five months. Right. Uh, now we get a chance to get some new ones. And the last one, just for Sully here, and not just for Sully, it's a good game. Tennessee at Georgia Tech. Yeah. I got Georgia Tech. Who you got, Buck? <laughs> I think you have to take Georgia Tech, right? Who's uh, I can't, quarterback for Tennessee? Uh, could be could be Jared Guaritano. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of that's a lot. Yeah, of, a lot five of star. A lot of uncertainty. Yeah, hey, I, I think there's there's some. We got some dudes. We have some what, dudes. Don't oh, you had some this last year? Yeah, I know what's, exactly. What's the more common uh, off season theme? I'm like, it's a kind of a trick question, Bucky. Is it the Jags are going to turn the corner or, or is Tennessee? It Tears are going to really dominate. Oh, no. The, it's the, always Tennessee. Yeah, it's the Jags because nobody's talking about the Vols this year. It's it's all Georgia, Georgia, uh, Georgia. They will be. Everybody, every year I get these SEC meetings come around and we talk no, about it. No, no. Tennessee, Tennessee has been picked once to win the division by the media in the, the last decade. It was last year. That's 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 a crazy, yep. crazy, uh, crazy storyline you're trying to, trying to concoct there. A crazy story that we're trying to concoct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it should be fun. I'm gonna try to go to that game, and yeah, maybe we can hit the road. Get get two games down there, one on Saturday, one on Monday. Have MTS on the road in Atlanta, seeing the new the new me. the new Let's digs. Get Throw yep. that one up the flagpole. See if you can get that approved. Yeah, right. Get that one. Good luck. We can knock out a bunch of them. Yeah, uh, I got a bunch hey, of the games. Hey, Sully, do we need to do a MeUndies or are we uh, are we? Good? Oh, we got we got we have a, oh, yeah. we have we got a, a, a MeUndies. I passed it to Bucky. 
Here we go, MeUndies, MeUndies, MeUndies. Solo I, mission, I, I, Bucky. I'm going to put my feet up and just enjoy this one. All right, here we go. So what are MeUndies, you ask? MeUndies are designed in L.A., made from sustainably sourced micro-modal, a fabric three times softer than cotton. MeUndies, softer than soft, luxe undies come in an ever-changing selection of classic colors, bold shades, and adventurous patterns so you can tailor your undies to your own personal style. And guess what? You can save time and money each month with a monthly subscription. And if you're not ready for a subscription, that's okay. You can still save. That's because MeUndies is offering you 20% off your first pair. Just use our special URL, MeUndies.com slash NFL2017, and get 20% off your first pair. So go ahead, revamp your underwear drawer. You deserve it. Once again, that's MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. Can I make this plea with Sully here? Sully, can you run this to the executives? I've 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 heard feedback on this, not not just on Twitter, but inside the building, really everywhere. Yeah. Everybody agrees that nobody has put more into these me undie reads than the Move the Sticks guys. <laughs> me and Bucky are passionate about the product. We I think we you're right. To it fully. So right now we're sitting on a couple pairs. I got to get a couple more in the rotation here. So I think we, we need to we need we might need to take a little tour of the MeUndies. MeUndies, yes. uh, they're 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 building we're right the here down the road friend. in Culver. We're the best friend they've got. We are yeah. all in on this thing. We just need some more product. We 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 love it so much. We gotta have some more. I think you're right. We need to expand from like the panda and and I think you guys got panda and like a uh, just a yeah, plain let's, black there, set. There's some adventurous yeah. patterns out there just waiting to be explored. Waiting and, to be explored. I know. The, you're into the micromodal, and I I, I get it. Oh, I do get love it. the micromodal. Yeah, nobody's yeah. A bigger micromodal guy than we are. That's it. That's it. It's the Move the Sticks podcast with me undies. It just rhymes off the tongue. Yes. Alliteration. Yeah, love come it. for the undies, stay for the football. That's the way this whole <laughs> podcast it. works. Um, all right, well, guys, are we doing this thing again on Thursday, Sully? What's the plan? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. If if you guys want to, let's do it. It's the off season, but hey, yeah, I, I'd love to spend it. This was a nice long one today. Let's do a, let's do a little condensed version on Thursday. Just okay. a little something, something. Yeah, a quick one. Yeah, that sounds good all to right. me. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for uh, subscribing. Thanks for leaving us those reviews and comments. We're close to 500 on the, uh, on the ratings there. We're, I think we're only a couple away. So if you can just push us over the edge, just not just over that 500 mark, uh, we'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will be back for another bonus episode. Why not? Let's do another episode. Uh, more underwear talk, and we'll mix in some football. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.